You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As counselors, when people show up at our virtual office to figure out marriage problems, it generally has to do with conflict. They want to sort out, how do we figure this thing out right now? But did you know that 69% of all conflict are actually in the unsolvable category? Think about it. Your in-law issues, uh, chronic back pain, or political differences. Can we agree to disagree? Let's break it down. So what we're really talking about is two different sorts of conflict. The first one would be in like situational conflict. So I'm grumpy because I'm in constant pain. Mm -hmm. That's, that's definitely going to bring up a lot of conflict between us. And that happens. Now, on the other side, sometimes or there are deep uh, differences in values and that's actually the type of conflict that we want to talk about right here and now. How do we sort these things out? Can we just agree to disagree? What does that look like? So a lot of value conflict comes down to political beliefs, religious beliefs, and sometimes those are intertwined. But first we want to ask you this question. Is there a political party that's better at marriage? So according to the research from the National Marriage Project, Republicans are more likely to be married they're less likely to be divorced, and they're more likely to say that they are happy in their marriage. We'll give you those exact numbers. So 57% of Republicans are married versus 40% of Democrats are married. So just marriage rates in general are higher for Republicans. 41% um, of ever married Republicans have been divorced compared to 47% of ever married Democrats. And when it comes to saying that you're happy in your marriage, 67% of married Republicans reported being happy in their marriage versus 60% of married Democratic spouses. I wish all those numbers were higher, by the way, Republican or not. Um, but hey, there is a difference there. What about politically mixed couples, though? Um, how well do they fare? So before we share those statistics, why are we talking about this at all? Well, we're showing statistics that are underlying value differences. Mm -hmm. So actually marriages that have different val or, or different political parties in the same marriage are actually fairly rare. It is, yeah. Only 21% of marriages are politically mixed, but when it comes to Republican-Democrat mix, that's only 4% of marriages. Why are there so few marriages that are um, Republican-Democrat mix? I mean, 
it's pretty polarizing to have a Republican and a Democratic, a Democrat person in the same room or at the same table, let alone in the same bed. So it's pretty rare to be in a politically mixed union. And the question is, I think that we're really trying to uh, tease out here is, can they actually be happy? Right. So for those looking to marry someone that uh, maybe sides with the opposite, okay, I'm doing air quotes, opposite side of the aisle um, around political issues, listen to these stats. Yeah, so we've already given you the stats for Republican marriages and Democratic marriages, how happy they are or aren't. Um, but for politically mixed marriages, what they say is they tend to be less happy with their marriage and their family life. According to the Family Life Survey, only 47% of couples in a politically mixed marriage say that they are happy. Um, so compare those with the um, the numbers that were earlier, you know, it was um, 50 something percent of Democrats and 67 percent of Republicans say they're happy in their marriage. Um, so it is significantly less for pol politically mixed marriage. Why does this matter? That's the question we're asking today. Why are we seeing less rates of status, lower rates of satisfaction in the politically mixed marriages? Um, why are we even bringing it up on the Deering and Mary Couple podcast? Yeah, it really comes down to, like we said at the very beginning, value differences. Mm -hmm. And there are actually several different types of value differences that determine um, how you see life. And the reason why we see uh, marriage rates declining on different sides of the aisle or, or you know, different uh, numbers here is because of you know, different people side with different value groups and these people might not see marriage as an important union and these people might have a very uh, very high value on marriage as a union so what we're trying to get out here is how does this affect a marriage? So does the Bible speak to this at all? In 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? So most people in the Christian context would only take that first part into consideration um, and say that being unequally yoked is solely about a believer and an unbeliever. But Paul goes on to talk about the outgrowth of this. And he says that's righteousness and unrighteousness. So is a political difference about righteousness and unrighteousness? I think we would all agree, like Adam said, that political differences definitely have to do with value differences. Um, but what kind of value differences? What is a value? Let's start there. What's the definition of a value? I think a value is something that is a deeply held belief of the good uh, the good of something, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, and then we really get values from uh, religion. Mm -hmm. So from our Christian, uh, I have my values of what's right and wrong yep. that comes from my Christian beliefs. Um, we get them from culture, yep. what's good and bad or what we should do or shouldn't do. Um, we get these from our family. Yep. So or these from are, the legal system. Yeah, this is diff just different places that we get our values. And, and really values help to guide an individual to make decisions. Right. It's kind of like a label that contains what's important to us. Yeah. Okay. So you gave examples that are pretty deep, um, indicating, you know, that 
that they matter. So you talked about values that have to do with our religious upbringing or the law or, um, but are there different kinds of values? So we actually outlined three different kinds of values and we want to talk about those three different kinds of values. Yes. So first there are aesthetic values and aesthetic values are really, they're more of my opinion about the beauty of something, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not, you know, this is true for everyone. It's more of a subjective belief. Um, that, you know, I'm going to hang this type of art on my wall. I like abstract. I actually do like abstract (laughs) art. I would put that on my wall. Some people were like, why did you put a painting that, you know, it looks smudged on the wall. That makes no (laughs) sense. Why pay all all that money for a a painting that looks like it was an accident? Difference in aesthetic value right there. Yeah, definitely. When we first got married, I wanted my whole kitchen. Well, I wanted the whole house to be decorated in pink. (laughs) No, you informed me. (laughs) You guys, it's finally here. Today's the day that you can snag your spot at our upcoming Adventure and Intimacy Retreat in Myrtle Beach for this October. So what exactly is the Adventure and Intimacy Retreat? For those who are new, let's talk about it. It's an intimate two-day in-person retreat, and the whole focus of this retreat is to help you get more intimately connected and get adventurous. We don't simply just talk about sex, but we identify the barriers, both mentally and physically, that get in the way of a good sex life. We've also noticed that a lot of people don't have practical everyday tools to help them communicate better in marriage, and that's what you're gonna get at this retreat. And something a lot of people don't talk about is the intricacies of desire. We're gonna help you tackle that. And this year at both the West and East Retreat, we're doing a special bonus workshop called Your Own Sex Menu. We really hope to meet you at our East or West Retreat. So click the link in our bio to grab your ticket and we really hope to see you soon. When we first got married, I wanted my whole kitchen, well, I wanted the whole house to be decorated in pink. (laughs) No, you informed me. That we were going to decorate all in pink. And I said, um, no, we're not. <laughs> so he said, you can decorate the kitchen in pink. And the whole kitchen was pink. It was. I, I've bypassed that state. No, I didn't bypass it. You're I've, wearing pink I, right I, now. I've passed that stage <laughs> now of wanting my kitchen to be decorated in pink. But that was a difference in aesthetic value. My aesthetic value has changed since uh, 15 years ago. So um, aesthetic values definitely can change. And we see huge... Um, differences in aesthetic mm-hmm. value from husband to wife um, in most marriages. Yes, and you can, and we have argued over aesthetic values. Mm-hmm. Um, the next type of value would be like family values or you know relationship values. And those can look like you know the difference in roles, what chores I do based on my cultural norms, you know, like for some people, men only take out the trash and mow the yard. Mm-hmm. For some people, um, it's more of a, hey, like we both pick up this slack wherever it's needed. We both are willing to do whatever it takes to move our family forward. Mm-hmm. Um, we can have different values along like cleanliness values. And that can come from family too. Yeah. What's your norm around that? And you could think you're right or wrong, but really this comes down to, it's it's relative in most cases, it comes down to family norms. What is normal for you? Um, and, you know, people talk about relative truth. We don't believe in relative truth, but we do believe in relative comfort. And that comes to family values. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And then the last one would be uh, really centered around morality, so moral values. As Christians, our values come from the Bible. They come from our uh, readings of the Bible, how we understand the Bible, and what the Bible says is true and false, mm -hmm. and the principles we derive from them. So that's where we derive our values. Other people derive their values from culture as a way of uh, guiding them forward. Um, but this is how we define our moral values. And I would say a good chunk of Republicans, for instance, are Christian and mm -hmm. would derive their moral values from scripture. Right. Um, that's not true of all Republicans, obviously. And a good chunk of liberals or Democrats, progressives, would probably derive their moral values from culture. Um, I don't know how they would describe the origin of, of their yeah. moral values. Um, but really what we're getting down to when it comes to moral values is what is right and what is wrong. Right. And of course, realize people that we're, we're using sweeping generalizations. Yeah. So we know that it doesn't apply to everyone. But by far and large, I think that a lot of people can agree that this is how it stands right now. Right. And regardless of what your moral values are and where they come from for you, um, it comes down to right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And so if that's what it comes down to for moral values, we're talking about righteousness and unrighteousness. We're talking about if I believe that ending a baby's life in utero is wrong and you believe that it's right in the name of choice, um, then we have a difference in moral value, right? So what I say is wrong, you're saying is right and vice versa. Um, so I think that does come down to that outgrowth of being unequally yoked. Mm -hmm. Hopefully everything we've said thus far in the episode is helpful to you if you're unmarried and you're looking for a spouse and you're like, uh, what does it mean to be unequally yoked? Can I marry someone that shares different, uh, you know, different moral values than me? Uh, but what does this mean for someone who finds themselves in a marriage that is unequally yoked or a marriage where they just share a difference in some of these core values? Yeah, and it really becomes difficult in a marriage when there's core things are disagreed upon because it does inform a lot of other uh secondary or tertiary decisions that are made it it kind of ripples into everything else what do we do then when we want to stay in the marriage but we want to have a good marriage or as good as as is possible with differing values what needs to happen yeah because you know you could look back at some of those first two values you know we talked about aesthetic values and family values and yes we have couples who come to counseling over aesthetic value differences and family value yeah. differences. We've disagreed about those oh, things. Oh, for sure. Um, but, you know, people will disagree on what's beautiful um, and what's pleasing, and that will make a difference in their leisure activities, uh, what they like to do together or mm. not, how they decorate their house. Um, family values obviously comprise a good chunk of conflict that we yeah. work with couples. Um, but it's not as core as that third set of values, the moral values. What do you do if you have a moral value difference? Yes. So in essence, what we have to do is start a conversation around these things. Remember that whenever you have a conversation that's gridlocked, that 
that two people find themselves in non-communication and there is a big, huge void between them Mm -hmm. and communication cease. So they're gridlocked. They're still, nothing happens. It really does breed emotional disconnection or emotional distance. And that's why we're not a fan of agree to disagree and just avoid the topic. Right. And, and you might even, let's say we're still in a marriage. We're not saying, okay, well you, you, uh, you can't agree to disagree, so just divorce. Or now, or or now, we just say like you need to fight it out until you both agree. <laughs> but what we're saying is there has to be a conversation that happens around it. Multiple that, conversations. Yes, yeah. that's respectful. Yeah, because we have to do everything with love. I mean, if if we really want a relationship to last and be good, there has to be a lot of deference, a lot of caution yeah. in these matters. We can't just go flippantly in them and throw insults. That doesn't work. There has to be respect. There has to be love. But there has to be conversation. So go into these conversations with your spouse seeking to know them. Mm -hmm. Get curious about your spouse. So And and that is the most important point. We don't go in the, into these conversations to change them. Mm-hmm. So many spouses that I see, it's a, I'm trying to win yeah. this conversation. Listen, if you're going in with that attitude, you're trying to defeat your spouse. So even if you win, you're still a loser because you're married to a loser. Then <laughs> that makes you a loser. Like, the only way really to have um, to have this good feel inside of a marriage is not to go in to win it, right. to win the argument, to one-up them with the data they don't know. It's really to go in and seeking to understand. And not necessarily seeking to understand this policy, okay? you. I mean, that might be some content that you discuss, but really what you're trying to understand is how did you, my spouse, the one I chose, the one I love, how did you come to this conclusion? Yes. I want to know you. Yes. I want to know the inner workings of you. Yes. Now, most likely at the end of several conversations like that, that are genuinely curious and filled with love, you might be a step closer to being on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not about the data. It's really mm-hmm. not about Um, like he said, winning, it's about approaching your spouse with love because think about it. Your covenant with your spouse is more important than a voter's relationship with a politician. Yes. Politics matter because policies matter because people matter. Thank you, Ali Beth Stuckey. But your marriage covenant is still more important. So if you're already in a relationship where you're finding yourself politically mixed, then you must approach those conversations with love and openness and curiosity. Right. And, and everything that we we're saying too, it just occurred to me is also applicable for dealing with a friend yeah, or dealing with a neighbor or dealing with a family member right. that doesn't agree with, with you. So often we, we choose sides and then we hammer and tongs. We try to show who's right. Or we could try to agree to disagree just to keep the peace with, yeah. you know, your placate. But honestly, that doesn't breed depth and connection. Exactly. That's why it works for your distant Uncle Joe at the Thanksgiving table, but it doesn't work for your spouse. And by the way, one of the tactics for persuasion is reciprocity. So if you give that person 
the room to discuss, here's why I think this is right. Here is where I stand on this issue. And this is how I've come to believe this, uh, this about this issue. Mm -hmm. When you ask all those origin questions, you get really curious. You don't rush them. You don't, you know, wait for them to take a breath so you can interject. You're really just being there to understand. There will become a time where there is a natural ebb and flow that will slow down. And then you can simply ask, would you be willing, since I've, I've, listen to you. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to hear me out on this and yeah. be curious? Because I, I really do value your opinions. And I really do value how you think about these issues. And I'd really be appreciative if you would uh, listen. Yeah. Often people will do that. They'll reciprocate. Mm-hmm. And you might be wondering, like, how can I get curious? What does that look like? You can ask questions like, when was the first time you came to believe that? Mm-hmm. Or what do you think influenced you the most mm-hmm. in that area? Um, or as a child, was there an unmet need you had that really made you feel comfortable or at home in this political persuasion or this policy? Yeah. yeah. Or what is the fear here for you? Yeah, that's like a big one. If, if this doesn't happen, what's the big fear here? Or um, if this does happen, what's the fear here? A fear is, by the way, a fantastic, um, the fear question mm-hmm. is a fantastic way of really getting at the, the deep inner workings of the person to understand why they're making these surface level decisions. Um, what we're really getting, getting out of this whole thing that we're talking about is um, actually this is a, a tool taught by John Gottman called Uh, the dream behind the conflict. So that's really what we're doing here. Instead of just yelling at each other about our positions or, you know, throwing data at each other, we're really saying, okay, I see where you are. Can you please tell me more about that? Yeah. Instead of ping pong, it's a game of catch. Yes. Yep. Take turns like two kids on a swing. I always like to say like, we both want to be pushed. Um, but there really only could be one person on the swing and one person pushing the swing. So take turns. You look really weird. Both of you fighting to get on that swing. <laughs> so, so slow it down mm-hmm. and give each other that respect and courtesy. And if you have a little bit more patience that day, let that person go first. And so you, in the end, will not just be seeking to love this person, but you'll be seeking to know this person. And that is our goal.